As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. I just want to give you guys a heads up that there is some light cursing in this episode. So if you have little ones around or you're listening at work, you may want to put in headphones. Hey, hey now, welcome back to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. Hey, everyone. What's up? Blah, 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 blah. No, I'm feeling <laughs> like... Oh, Brooklyn days right. are coming back, huh? Oh, my God. I, maybe it's insecure. Did you... Well, by the time this I comes out. I saw that. I saw that. Wait, are you talking about Lauren? Yes, but by the time this comes out, it'll, it's going to be like long gone. But we just <laughs> saw, I think, everyone like the most recent episode, which was fire. Yeah. I know. I love that show. It was so funny. I was dying when they had, um, what's his face? He's the Hobbish uh, rapper from the Bay. Amine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My friend texted me, Jess, there's a surprise in this episode just for you because I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> I know. I know. He he did a good job. That was hilarious. It's so, she's so funny. I know. When she put on the British accent. <laughs> yeah. This season is... At good. first, I didn't love this season because I don't like the back and forth. Like... You know, I feel like they they did that. I don't know why. I don't think they really had to do that. And it took me a while to get into it, but I'm into it now. I'm I'm here. It picked up. Yeah. It picked up. It started off like a little slow, but it started getting real messy real mm-hmm. quick. I love it. <laughs> did you hear that they were calling Condola Canola Oil on Twitter? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was black dying. <laughs> I know. But I'm just like, girl, that name. Come on. Yeah. Condola. That's a lot. It's it's right. It is a lot. I like her though. I like oh, her yeah. character and sweet. I like her, but I love her hair and her so hair having like really cool stuff. Yeah, and just the outfits and just everything. I mean, the outfits to love me, it. the only issue I have with that, and it's not an issue, but it's like most folks like Issa. I don't think she has a job, right? Or she's like in between work. It's like you ain't having those banging outfits though. But it's nice to look yeah. at. Yeah. You know, like they're all like yeah. stylized. And I mean, I think that's part of the like fantasy fun of it. But it's like, come on now. Like we're I'm I, I'm wearing like sweats and a tee every day. They be looking hella yeah. cute. And she'd be like waking up with a beat face. In that I'm too. like, girl. <laughs> and the and skin is like, <laughs> girl. Listening, like <laughs> you just got out the shower. You got a whole face of makeup mm-hmm. on. But that's TV. But listen. Right. I love mm-hmm. it. I'm here for all of yeah, it. Yeah. They got a good stylist. Um, and they have a good musical I think it's Raphael Sadiq right musical like that soundtrack I feel like is the biggest contribution to like mm. 2020 I wonder if they're on Spotify like as a they playlist. are I'm sure they, they are. are yeah okay 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 <laughs> I'm gonna look it up 
I'm gonna <laughs> on it immediately. So, how's it been going? How's home life going? Home life is going okay still. I mean, yeah, I don't even want to take up too much time about my dog woes. I know we had talked about that and um <laughs> the dog and no disrespect to people who have kids. Please do not come for me. But for my family members who have kids and who have been around the dog and this dog is the most high maintenance creature I've ever been around. They're like, your dog is more high maintenance and more work than my one-year-old. <laughs> and it's insane. And so I just, I feel like I wasn't really acknowledging that because, <laughs> you know, I mean, she wakes up multiple times in the middle of the night to have to go potty. She's usually kind of screaming throughout the day in general, you know, she have to take her. It's just like a lot of work. Now she has, I have to give her medication and probiotics and ear cleaning and like, it's just a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. start daycare, you know, and she has a five hour assessment. I just didn't know. Um, so if anyone has a dog, I just, please send me a DM and tell me that it gets better. She's four months right now. I need some encouragement, but that's what's going on with me. And if also like, if you're like, damn girl, she's four months, like it shouldn't be like this. Tell her that yeah. too, just so that she knows what's going on. I have no idea how <laughs> any of this works because I've never had a dog. I'm like clueless, but yeah, it would be good. It would be good to get some honest feedback about what's going on because every other hour, Jess is sending me a video message like, <laughs> time to potty, baby. Potty time, yeah. potty time. And I'm like, yo, this dog is like, Forever going to potty. Like, this, what I mean, is going girl, on? I go out to potty. I'm not even kidding. What is it like 10 o'clock? I've already been out to potty five times. Yeah. <laughs> and she's gone twice. <laughs> oh my God. And three, she hasn't gone, but she was screaming. So it's like, it's like a baby. I don't know. Do you, are you hungry? Is it potty? Is it this? Is it that? So are you thirsty? Yeah. Are you hot? <laughs> See, I'm curious. She's a Shih Tzu and a Maltese. And I know that smaller breeds might be a little more difficult, but I mean, I'm hearing from folks that like they're, dog was a dream who was the same breed so I really don't know what's going on anyways Damn. girl how are you doing over there I'm doing okay I'm excited about today's episode Me too. before we get into today's episode want to send you all a friendly reminder to drop a review if you haven't already done it when you leave us a review it really helps our podcast grow and reach more people and we can't stress this enough if you're thinking like, how can I support Wendy and Jess? This is really like one of the best ways that you can support the work that we're doing with the podcast. And it takes less than a minute. So go to your iTunes, leave us some stars and listen up to this listener review from Tony to 20,014. <laughs> okay. I just love the episode about comparison. When I saw the title, I was a bit confused on how this would relate to nutrition. But as soon as I pushed, I realized how comparison can affect so many areas of our lives. Keep up the great work, ladies. I love that. Yeah, we always tie back in, y'all. Always tie back in, even though it might not seem so. <laughs> exactly. There's always some thing. And honestly, for our podcast, I like to not just focus on one exact thing. Yes, it all ties in. But at the same time, you know, I think this is a wellness podcast. So there's so many different aspects to wellness, whether that is like comparison or we had the social comparison, like there's so many different things, but thank you for that super sweet note. We really appreciate it. And let's get into the episode. So I want to talk about this whole concept of 
Can you practice intuitive eating while still intentionally trying to lose weight? There's so much we want to say on this topic. I actually wrote an article about this for Self Magazine. The reason why I wanted to write this article was because it's a topic that comes up so frequently in my one-on-one counseling visits. And I saw this incredible article in the New York Times. You guys may have seen it. It was called Smash the Wellness Industry. It was an op-ed article with an author who talks about seeing all these smart feminist identifying women, including herself, fall for pseudoscientific wellness claims that the author argues were really just about weight loss. And she talks about her own journey with dieting and wellness and how it was, she realized it was really disordered. And she ends up working with a dietitian who focuses on intuitive eating and body neutrality, and it completely changed her life. So I figured let's talk about this from that weight loss perspective. But Wendy, I want to ask you like, did you see the article or have you been getting this question a lot from folks? Yeah, I I briefly skimmed through the article. I remember when it came out and um, yeah, I shared it with my networks. I thought that it was really great. I mean, I think part of the reason why I skimmed through it is because being in this line of work and having an intuitive eating focus, a lot of times like <laughs> the stuff that I read, it just all sounds the same. <laughs> yeah. So <that's> <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm not really about to like go all in and like fully, you know, like analyze this article. But I thought like from what I read, it was kind of like stuff that I already knew, but it was really, you know, it was really great. And I believe the what what platform was it on? Because it oh, it was a New York Times article. I think Times. that's why it was so um, great because it was on the New York Times, which is huge for intuitive eating, you know, and also like there's been other intuitive eating articles that have been in the New York Times lately. And I just think it's great that intuitive eating is getting so much attention and that there is more dialogue about it and people are interested in um, kind of figuring out how to apply it to their life. So I have gotten this question a lot. I think mostly from our audience where they've messaged us or when we ask you guys to submit questions, you'll say, you know, is it okay to want to lose weight? And um, and can you do that while eating intuitively? Or it'll like, we literally just got a question last week. Like I'm eating intuitively and it's been working really well, but I'm not losing weight. Like, please help. And so I think it is a big point of confusion for people. Like they either think that they can use intuitive eating to reach their weight loss goals or they just feel like confused about whether the two can cohabitate. So, yeah, I think this is a great topic to dive into. Right. And I think the one of the things, because you mentioned the article and there being a lot of them kind of similar, I think the thing that was different about this article was it really highlighted that these are women who I said are like feminist identifying, like F the patriarchy, all those things. And still the conversation at the table is about, you know, this, oh, I'm not eating this. I'm not eating that, you know, and like looking at kind of the bigger picture of like, wait, what is happening as a culture? And also not only is this happening to women, but also men as well, who are at at these kind of, in these like positions of power, I guess, in our society, like I don't know, Elon, I don't know if it's Elon Musk or the CEO of Twitter or whatever, who doesn't really eat anything all day or eats. I don't know exactly what his diet is, but I think that's what made the article different and um, really powerful. And I saw everyone sharing it everywhere. But yeah, I I agree. We get this question all the time. And I think it it would be good to kind of start off with the basics for people who are listening and they're like, wait a minute, what exactly is intuitive eating? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Let's just 
talk about that. So do you want to say like what intuitive eating is? All right. So for those of you not familiar with the concept of intuitive eating, it is an evidence-based approach that was created by two dietitians. It's an approach to eating that was originally designed to help chronic dieters get back in tune with their body's needs rather than relying on external food rules to determine what they should eat, when they should eat, how much they should eat. And I think that there is you know, this idea that intuitive eating is meant for people that have disordered eating patterns or people who are like chronic dieters. But really, intuitive eating can be applied to everyone. I think the principles are useful for all people, especially like with the populations that I've worked with. They don't necessarily have a history of like dieting per se, but because poverty affects our food choices so much, they're just like very out of tune with, you know, like what they should be eating or what a balanced plate even looks like or like what fullness and satiety feels like because of like their social circumstances and their financial circumstances. And so I've seen intuitive eating be particularly useful in these populations. But I think everyone really can take like really valuable lessons from intuitive eating, no matter what your eating style is. Even for me, I consider myself to be a very intuitive eater. And and yeah, and like I'm very well-versed in like, you know, all of the principles and stuff. But even for me, it's like really helpful to just take on an active approach and trying to incorporate it because there's just so many external stimuli that that we experience in our day to day. And so even for me, I'm always like, OK, my you know, it's a question that I kind of revisit often. And this is, you know, work that I'm doing every day. Exactly. I think the other thing that's interesting about intuitive eating, what you learn a little bit more about it is there's a ton of nuance. I think when people first hear about it, they're like, oh, well, that's basically the hunger fullness diet. And they kind of turn it into that. And then they feel super guilty if they miss their hunger and they, you know, eat, they start eating like past the point of a comfortable hunger. Or on the flip side, they feel bad if they aren't hungry and they decide they want to eat something. And there really is a ton of nuance. And there's, I mean, this could be literally just a whole podcast series talking about the different factors of intuitive eating. But just to give you like a couple of ideas, If you're using intuitive eating, your ultimate goal is to use your internal wisdom to decide what, when, and how much to eat. And like Wendy said, not using those external rules. So for example, no eating after 8 p.m. or no carbs allowed. One example may be it's 11 a.m. and you aren't hungry for lunch yet, but you know that you're not going to be able to eat again until 5 p.m. So if you're following a hunger fullness diet, if it's 11 and you're not hungry, then technically you wouldn't eat anything because you're not hungry. But with intuitive eating, it's like, no, you can kind of take a step back, look at the bigger picture, which is that you're not going to get a chance to eat again until five and kind of eat a full lunch at that time. So there's a bunch of different things like that that are nuanced. Um, Another example might be it's late and maybe you already had dinner, but it's 9 p.m. And with a traditional diet, you may cut yourself off from eating at 9 p.m. because you're getting ready to go to bed. But with intuitive eating, you might 
say, well, it's 9 p.m. I had dinner. I'm still hungry. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and have something to eat because I'm hungry. And like that is one of the ultimate kind of principles within intuitive eating, kind of honoring your hunger, almost like you would honor going to the bathroom. You wouldn't say it's 9 p.m. And I already went to the bathroom at seven. So therefore, I'm just going to hold it till tomorrow. No, you would go to the bathroom. So I think just thinking of it like that and understanding that intuitive eating is super flexible. And in the beginning, it can be really complicated, but with time, it, it's very natural. And it's kind of the way that we were all born to eat. So Wendy, I have a question for you, because I know when we were learning about intuitive eating, it was something where <laughs> I remember us having like all these different conversations back and forth, sending all these polos, like, but what about this? But what about that? We would even interview guests on our podcast and have all the questions, you know, way more questions that you could even cover in a 30 minute or 45 minute podcast episode. So I want to hear from you. Like, did you always accept intuitive eating? And how did you start out with your practice? Like, was it intuitive eating? Was it different? Kind of tell us a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I remember like reading the book and I was like, oh, yeah, this all sounds like really great. And it all made sense in my head. You know, I just felt like a lot of the nuance wasn't there with what I was coming across, like how we mentioned, like with the articles and stuff, like there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there on intuitive eating. And I felt like it all just kind of sounded the same, honestly, like it was all written by like thin white dietitians for the most part. And it didn't really address like the hard questions, kind of like the question that we're going to be diving into today. Like, can you eat intuitively and also want to lose weight at the same time? How does intuitive eating apply or differ in communities of color, in communities that are struggling with poverty and homelessness? Like these were all questions that I was just like, mm, I, I just feel like this is not being addressed in the conversations that are being had about this topic. And so I felt kind of conflicted about that. But again, like it all kind of made sense to me. And I feel like the more that I've learned about intuitive eating, the more enjoyable food has become for me mm. because with, you know, being a dietitian and constantly being surrounded by, you know, like information about nutrients and health right. and like whatever, it's like, you know, it's very easy to fall into the habit of like eating strictly for health because we're just like constantly surrounded by this kind of information. And so with intuitive eating, I've learned to kind of like let loose a little bit more with food and eat more so for enjoyment with the training. I think it's just like a very nice balance for me because as part of intuitive eating and also like being trained as a dietitian, nutrition is, you know, a part of the conversation as well. But I just think that it hasn't had as strong of an influence as it used to have for me compared to now. And even within like, because I know we were talking about like, you know, being part of like circles, like feminist circles and like circles mm -hmm. that people would consider to be more radical, especially among women. It's just very interesting to me because, you know, like just being a part of these circles or just kind of like observing the dialogue that happens within these circles. I mean, diet culture and is huge. Like, yeah, it like runs rampant. In yeah. Circles. And it's just like so interesting to me because there's all this talk about like women's liberation and inclusivity and stuff. But but then it's like it's also like, well, how can, you know, we lose weight to get healthier? And it's like I just feel like these 
beauty standards are like not fully thought through. And I think you see this especially, you know, among among these circles that you would think would be, you know, all about including everyone in the conversation, you know? So it's just like a really important topic. Like, again, even among circles that you would think as women that we would feel like safe and accepted, not everyone feels that way because of the dialogue that's happening. Um, Even it can be very subtle, you know, where people are just like unsure. They're unsure. They just don't know. and, And it can make people feel like very uncomfortable or very um, self-conscious, you know, about how they look. Chronic pain. Let's talk about it, y'all. For those of you who can relate, I know you feel me. For me, it's been going on for a few years now. I've spoken about this on the podcast where I have the worst joint pain, sometimes to the point where I can't walk, I can't exercise. For those of you who have chronic pain, you know that it's not just a feeling of discomfort. It can really affect your entire routine. Being able to relax, sleeping, it can stop you from exercising. And I'm sure for those of you who feel me, you've tried a million things just like I have. And a lot of treatments, they just don't really work long term. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you about Omax Health, which has been our podcast sponsor these past few weeks. They specifically formulated a product called CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On, and it's specifically formulated for muscle and joint pain, which makes me so happy because that's exactly the type of chronic pain that I have. CryoFreeze can be super helpful. It's a non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on that is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. All you have to do is roll it on wherever you're feeling pain, usually I roll it on my knees and my ankles. That's usually where I feel the most discomfort. And for me, within a couple of minutes, I'm already feeling the difference. And the best part is that relief can last up to eight hours, which is much, much longer than over-the-counter products. Their cryo-freeze product is all natural. There's no messy creams or like overpowering fragrances. So for those of you that are looking for relief from your chronic pain and are also looking to improve physical training, recovery and performance, I highly encourage you to check out Omax Health. And of course, we are going to offer you our special hookup code. You can go to omaxhealth.com. That's O-M-A-X health.com. And you're going to enter the code FOODHEAVEN for 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on. You'll also also get 20% off any products on their site. They have other really cool products that you can check out, plus free shipping, which is a major bonus. Again, that's going to be omaxhealth.com. You can enter the promo code FOODHEAVEN and you'll get 20% off everything on the site. All right. So we're going to jump right back into our episode. Yeah, one of my friends she messaged me. I I hit you up about it because she went to some like wellness event and they were just talking about people in larger body. I mean, they didn't say it like this, but they were basically like, you know, fatness is like basically the devil. It's evil. Like, I don't know exactly what it, it was, but that's kind of what it sounded like the core message was that everyone has to like do this kale and juice cleanse to be healthy. And people on stage were saying stuff. And she was like, wait a minute. She texted me. She's like, oh my God, I'm so enraged right now. I'm so triggered. Don't they understand this is like literally insane to say this on stage and 
stigmatize people who are in larger bodies. Imagine if you are in the audience and they're saying all these things and you are in a larger body. I just think people don't understand how that could potentially affect someone. How uncomfortable would you feel if you were in the audience and you were one of those folks? So I just think we really have to think about some of the conversations we're having and how you know, the idea of weight stigma actually has very negative impacts on people's health. And sometimes it may even be one of the factors that is the leading reason why people, you know, who are in larger bodies may have a little bit of an increased risk when it comes to chronic disease. Like we really have to just kind of look at that. And just in terms of intuitive eating for me, it wasn't something that I always embraced either. I would say like a hundred percent, like what you said, Wendy, all the same things. And then also as dietitians, we are literally trained to focus on weight loss for everything. So when I was working in a clinic, you know, I still was, we weren't focusing on diets like that was, you know, we knew that those weren't going to be effective. However, we were focusing on lifestyle changes, which some people in the, you know, non-diet slash intuitive eating world say lifestyle changes still are diets, basically, especially if the goal is to shrink someone's body. And, you know, I will say that, yes, I still took a patient-centered approach. However, the ultimate intervention for somebody who had chronic disease, whether it was diabetes or hypertension even somebody who had knee problems, like it was always to lose weight. And the, you know, one of the things that I remember being the most prominent, especially from the different health providers that I worked with, or even some of the literature I was reading was the more weight you lose, the more you can manage your symptoms. And for me, it was really tough to always get these referrals on my desk, like every single day. That's like weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. Like for every single thing, the answer is always weight loss. I don't even think I could work in a setting like that ever again, because it's, I mean, it is important for people who do have an intuitive eating and kind of more compassionate lens on things to be integrated in these different clinics. However, I think it would just be too demoralizing to even have to like fight against that every single day and to be, to have to like explain, you know, all these things. Cause in the clinics that I've worked and especially the last clinic I worked, I had this like philosophy of like intuitive eating and health at every size. And I would send articles to people, but I still think at the end of the day, while people be like, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. I don't think they would fully always get it and a hundred percent incorporated into their practice. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it, it boils down to being a kind and understanding person, honestly, because like right. with all with all of these concepts, so <laughs> I think, you know, there's like a lot of nuance, like we said, and there is like evidence, you know, to back intuitive eating. But ultimately, I think it just boils down to being a kind person to someone else. Like, you know, how would you feel if someone judged you based on how you look, you know, and made assumptions about your health based on how you look, you know? So to me, that was always like the strongest point. Like, you know what I mean? It just like, it, it's not going to feel good to someone on the receiving end. And, you know, it's just wild. Some, some of the um, comments that I see, especially online, like I just saw this like amazing video that, I think it was Refinery29. They they have like kind of a black spinoff page. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. And it was like, I'm fat, black and cute as fuck. And yeah. 
it was so great. Like it was featuring, you know, different fat black women from all walks of life, just like really owning who they are. And the comments were insane from other black people. Like <gasps> I didn't read the comments. What were they yeah, saying? Yeah, I mean, I hate reading the comments, but I was like, mm, I'd be interested, you know, because this is like a page dedicated, you know, to black people. So I'm interested in like just seeing what the dialogue is within the black community about this. It was just, it was crazy. It was disrespectful, like calling, oh you know, God. calling these women like lazy, irresponsible, oh like, you know, unhealthy healthy and and like just that is like I'm not even like scratching Mm -hmm. the surface it was like just straight up like disrespectful disrespectful stuff that was going on and I'm like yo y'all don't even know these women y'all don't even know what they're eating and even if they were eating something that it's none of your yeah like just mind your own business why are you spending your energy you know what I mean like trying to bring somebody down in that way and like because because you're trying to come off like you're truly concerned about their health like I'm sure that you could redirect that energy into you know something way more into making your life better yeah exactly (laughs) so I was I was just so over I'm like yo this is like we really need to do a better job at supporting and uplifting each other and whatever even if you believe that you know weight loss is the way for you you should go by that for you you shouldn't you know just like project that onto other people and also like there is evidence to back this up which is like you know which is kind of like what we're going to be talking about as well but you know I just think ultimately for me it's like all about just how you treat other people and just being mindful of, of you know the things you're saying to people and how that could you know make them feel you know speaking of the evidence I I listened to a TED talk where she cited just one um she's like I'm not even going to talk about evidence she was talking about weight gain and kind of like health at every size and how your body has its own internal set range and dieting is the biggest predictor of future weight gain and kind of changing that set point to make it higher basically but she's like I also want to include like, you know, this study that's like super powerful. I'll try to find it and cite it. But basically what she said was that if the, if the issue for you is weight or sorry, if the issue for you is health, then there are four things that you can do that research shows that will be helpful for your health. So number one was eating fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Number two was working out or being physically active three times a week. Number three was not smoking. And number four was if you are a drink or if you are drinking alcohol, drinking moderately, like not drinking in excess. So what they found was that people who are doing all four of these different things had the same amount of risk, whether or not they were in the quote unquote normal weight category, overweight category or obese category, which I think is Insane because what people will try to tell you, what doctors and media will tell you is that if you're in the quote unquote obese category, you have so much more risk. There's nothing you can do about it, but lose weight. But independent of weight loss, like I said, people kind of um, made their risk the same regardless of what their weight was if they were doing these four healthy behaviors. Yeah. 
So basically what Jess is saying is that lifestyle factors are very important outside of weight loss. And I think we tend to focus on like the outcome versus the process. So it's like, okay, well, we want to live, you know, healthier lives. We want to try to prevent or manage like different conditions um, that are out there. How can we do that? Like, what are the things that we can do? And I think, you know... Like what Jess said, eating fruits and vegetables, like it can be really as basic as that. Yes, trying to cut down, you know, on processed food, balancing the plate. But I mean, it it also like there's just there's so much gray area with that. And that can look very different for different people. Like you might not be in a situation, you might not be in the position to just completely redo your plate and like eat all these vegetables because maybe right now you have unstable housing or, you know, there aren't as many resources where you live or as much access to like healthier food. So it's like, there's just a lot of things that should be considered and it's not like, a black and white kind of thing. And and that's why I think, you know, because there's just so much nuance and so much gray area, I think people just automatically gravitate to going to the extreme because they want those results and they want them fast. It's like, I think the challenge really is, you know, exploring, like, what are all of the different factors that affect my food choices? Um, and what are the things that I can do right now consistently to feel better in my body, you know, to feel good about the choices that I'm eating. There's also a really good book that is actually called Health at Every Size. It's by Linda Bacon. And she does a great job at just like breaking down every single like misconception about weight and health status, like down to like specific health conditions, diabetes being a really, really big one. Mm -hmm. She highlights like really, really great research. There was one study that she highlighted that she was actually involved in where there was one group that was focusing on weight loss and was doing all the lifestyle stuff. And then there was one group that was doing the lifestyle stuff and took on more of like a health at every size approach, like practicing self-compassion, like all these things. And that group, the health at every size, even though both groups were doing the same thing in terms of like lifestyle changes, the health at every size group were able to maintain those lifestyle changes for like a longer period of time. And they also had better health outcomes. And yeah, I just thought that that was like a really, really like fascinating piece of research and she highlights like other really cool studies in there as well so check that out so I think we should dive into the actual question you know aside from the research which we just shared but does intuitive eating like can someone want to eat intuitively and lose weight at the same time like just when you get clients that come to you you know asking you this question like what do you tell them in layman's terms that's a great question. That's a question I get asked from every single client. And sometimes we spend most of our sessions talking about it. And I think the first thing is to understand why the person feels like they want to lose weight or they need to lose weight. And so, you know, I think the the most important thing when you're feeling like that is to ask yourself a couple of questions. So I think the first question is, what benefit do you feel like the weight loss would bring? We talked about that if you are, you know, having these healthy behaviors, that's going to have a positive effect on your overall health, maybe even more so than weight. So that's one question. The other question is, what do you think you'd have to do in order to lose the weight? And 
what I always check for is signs of restriction, right? Because we know with intuitive eating, one of the core principles is to not have any foods be off limits, really giving yourself unconditional permission to eat and listen to your body and your overall wisdom. So with with the pursuit of weight loss, there always is going to have to be some micromanaging of your food intake or micromanaging of your exercise to lose weight, which kind of is the opposite of what intuitive eating recommends. So once I start digging deeper with people, we start to come to the conclusion together that maybe the pursuit of weight loss doesn't really make that much sense in terms of you know, also following the intuitive eating principles. One of the ones that I think is the most important that I always point out to people is the idea of respecting your body. That's one of the core principles of intuitive eating. And I think that pursuing weight loss is kind of potentially not going hand in hand with the idea of respecting your body and your body's natural set point weight range, right? And we know that 70% of our weight is genetic, contrary to what like all these diets and experts may, you know, try to get you to believe a lot of our weight is genetic. So if we are trying to fight against those genetics, it's kind of the opposite of intuitive eating. So my conclusion is always, no, I don't think that you can practice intentional weight loss with intuitive eating. I think they're too different things that kind of contradict each other. And so if you are like dead set on weight loss is the only thing for me that, you know, that I need and it's the most important, I would again, like question why. And then if you're like still set on it, then I would say maybe intuitive eating isn't the best philosophy for you to practice fully. Maybe you can take some principles here and there, but I don't think they really go hand in hand. What about you, Wendy? Yeah, I would have to agree. I also just wanted to add that, you know, with set points, like they change throughout the course of our life. And so our weight fluctuates, you know, like my weight right now is very different from the weight that I had in my early 20s. And so with intuitive eating, it's really about body respect at whatever weight you're in, whatever Mm -hmm. weight category you're in, whether you're eating intuitively or not. You might not be at your set point right now for whatever reason, but with intuitive eating, body respect would still be part of the equation and really just honoring your body no matter what size it's currently in. You know, I think that that's an important consideration as well. So, yeah, I would I would have to agree. I think it's really hard to apply the principles of intuitive eating in like a true way. Um, you can kind of pick and choose if, if you want to like say, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to apply like two or three of the principles because I think they're useful and I'm also going to try to lose weight. But I think ultimately, um, when, when you really look at intuitive eating for what it is, it just doesn't really mesh together. It's really about self-acceptance, no matter what body size you're in, you know. And so. Exactly. And then you know, also usually when people come to me, it's because they're, they've done all the yo-yo dieting and they're over it. And I know they're still holding on to this hope of being in a smaller body, but it's like, I always ask like, has that pursuit of weight loss worked for you long-term? If it did, you probably wouldn't be here like sick of it all. Right. So it's like, that's another question because people are always comparing their weight now to their weight. Like you said, Wendy, maybe in their early twenties, maybe in college. And it's like, that's 10 years ago, our set point is a range. Number one, some people will say like 15 to 20 pounds, but also it goes up with time. And that's just something that's like natural. And you really have to think about that. Also, it's like, did you feel good physically when you were at that lower weight? Did you feel like it took an emotional toll 
Did you have to give up a lot of stuff in order to do that? Like, were you, you know, having to be very strict with exercising or very strict with your eating to the point where you couldn't go out to eat with folks or you had to miss a happy hour because you had to work out? Like, these are all things that add stress. And if anything, stress is going to be the most unhelpful thing when it comes to living your best life. And so I think we have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, because it's I don't want you to feel like if you're not there, you're not there. And that's okay. So Mm -hmm. whoever, you know, if you're out there listening, you're like, well, I'm just not there. And I don't know that I ever will be. That's okay. You know, I think that everybody has the right to live the life they want to live, eat the way they want to eat. And, you know, and this is just like, you know, we've seen how powerful intuitive eating can be for people, but it's not for everyone. It's really, really hard hard to incorporate, especially if you live in a larger body, because it's not just about what you want to do. It's also about the discrimination that you're mm-hmm. experiencing in the world. So, you know, like we love you either way. We got your back, you know, like, the, you know, like yeah. we're here. If you ever have any questions about the topic or if you're just like, I'm unsure about this or, you know, just keep sending your questions our way. Because I think it's just great to have these conversations so people can have a better understanding of what it is and the ways that it can potentially help them, you know, with coming to peace with food and and with the body that they're in. So to answer the question, no. (laughs) (laughs) The honest answer is really no, No. which is hard to hear. And I always say that like, this might not be what you want to hear, but this is like the honest answer that anyone who is going to help you with intuitive eating, unless they're kind of like, I don't want to say a fraud, but like kind of where they're using like intuitive eating in a way that it wasn't meant to be used by the founders, then maybe they'll have a different opinion. But most people who who are talking about true intuitive eating they don't weight loss and intuitive eating don't really go hand in hand, at least intentional weight loss. Some people do naturally lose weight because maybe they were at a higher place in their set point now that we're getting some of the binge eating or whatever else under control. However, some people gain weight and some people stay the same and you can never really predict it, which is why it's very scary to take that leap, especially in this culture where it, like Wendy said, you are discriminated against. It's not like made up or in your head. It's true. You are discriminated against if you are at a higher weight, there's so much weight bias. And sometimes people are just like, I don't feel like dealing with this. And I want to, you know, kind of fit in a little bit more with society and not have to deal with all the stigma all day, every day. And again, it's your body. It's your business. We understand we're coming from a place of privilege because we, even though I consider myself more of a curvy person, like I still am probably considered someone who is more in a thin thinner body. So I understand there's privilege that comes with that. So at the end of the day, it's your decision, but this is just our kind of expert opinion from the research and also just working with people one-on-one. Yep. So with that being said, we're going to wrap things up, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you wash your hands, okay? And don't use mm-hmm. uh, plastic bags to cover your face, please, because it's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> please. And thank you. Our podcast is released every Wednesday. In each episode, we get into how to make lifelong changes that help you live a healthier, more balanced life. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how to cultivate a healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday, and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.